0: Welcome to this week's Dear Young People podcast. I'm your host, Coach Travis. I appreciate all the love and support, and I hope you guys enjoy. Today's guest is a motivational speaker, author of two books, host of his own podcast, My Unapologetic Perspective, founder of New Bedford Mentoring, a community servant, great husband, father, brother, and son, and also someone I consider a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for my boy. Martre baker Stevens, how you What's doing bro? everybody hey
1: man appreciate you for having me bro i
0: ah, thank you for coming on man um you in your introduction i said you were author of two books can you give us the name of those books and where people could get them if they're interested in picking them up
1: absolutely Find them on Amazon. Um, the first book is called Counterclockwise and the second book is called Until I Die. And both are on Amazon.
0: got you. Um, Counterclockwise was a definitely eye opener for me. First of all, it hit different because um to know somebody that's an author and reading, it, and I'm like, this is his. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was a it was a big hit to me. And then um until I die, I haven't even finished reading it all. So it was one of them things that I picked up and I didn't finish that I need mm-hmm. to pick up and finish, but um, Clockwise was something that I finished real quick. It was just something that like just jumped um, and I wanted to put it in anybody's hands that I could, especially with me dealing with um, so many of the younger people, you know what I'm saying? It was definitely right. one of them things where it was like a catch-22. Not only am I able to inspire somebody by putting this book in their hand, but I'm also able to support a friend that's with the same aspirations
1: of what I'm doing. So Absolutely. definitely one of my um, favorite books counterclockwise meant probably was easier because it was, it's, it's probably about 60, 70% autobiography uh, counterclockwise um, until I die was a little harder to write because I was trying to grasp so many different perspectives in one story. And to do that, you have to, you have to kind of put yourself in other people's shoes so that one was a little harder, but I, I definitely enjoy writing both of them and I'm looking forward to writing the next one.
0: I feel you, man. You got a time frame of when your next one be coming out?
1: Uh, Not a timeframe, but I have the idea. Um, it's about just putting it, putting it down the way I wanted to put it down um, by doing the proper research of getting everything historically accurate and getting the perspective accurate. Um, to create a, a great book.
0: I got you. Also, um, I put out there about you, um, having your own podcast, which is definitely dope. My unapologetic podcast is yourself, your father and your brother. Um, mm-hmm. other than, I mean, I'm sure it's on all streams, all different outlet streams. People can listen to that on.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, YouTube is the video version. Um, which is the most liked because I think a lot of people like following along on video, but uh, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Anchor. um, um, It's on a few other platforms as well, but mostly YouTube and Spotify is where you get the most most clicks from.
0: You get my Spotify click every week. YouTube is a little harder than me because it's like a visual so that's requiring me to sit down and like yeah. spotify is just so easy for me to be doing everything i gotta do and still listening um at the same time so that's my go-to um i mentioned also that you're the founder of new Bedford Mentor. um how things going on this year would it be in a COVID year
1: it, it's, it's been tough it's been tough because you know you try to you want to do things, but you also want to keep a safe environment, and you want to make sure other families are safe. The last thing I want to do is be around kids to get a call to have to call them and say, "Hey, look, uh, we tested positive, and you might want to go get your kids tested." That's that's something that would be hard for me to bear, especially if it you know it goes to other family members and they not me, they may not be um, handled COVID the best way as far as um their health wise um so it's, it's been a challenge but you know we try to stay caught up with the kids um, anytime the parents need us they know they can call they know we'll go meet them and talk to them but as far as meeting as a group we haven't done that in a few months just because of not just the COVID, but you know with sports going on everybody's playing a different sport everybody's, you know, constantly busy. So it's hard to try to get everybody together at one time.
0: I totally agree. It's like so many youth that I try to stay in contact with, um, as far as like mentoring and just making sure they're good and their well being. And like, it's tough. If we had the resources to do everything that we wanted to do, I mean, you got people that have facilities where they can get rapid tested, you know what I'm saying? Once yeah. a week, um, in the bigger cities and stuff like that. But, Um, we definitely not on that scale I think people also sweep under the rug how important mentoring is Um, we idolize like sports coaches but like having somebody there for somebody to be their personal coach could make a world of difference too
1: absolutely absolutely it's it's definitely necessary because you know you need that that guidance you know you have parents who give you the guidance but A lot of times kids at a certain age, they only they think their parents is only telling them things just to just because they're their parents They're not just telling them because it's the right thing to do. So if you get those other influences of of leadership to come out and say probably what the parents have been saying the entire time, what the teachers have been saying the entire time, and you give that confirmation for them, you're bridging a gap for them. And that's one thing that mentoring does is, is bridge that gap. And if you're able to reach um, the older kids, the older kids can reach the younger kids, and now you have a uh, a snowball effect going on of, of of positivity.
0: Absolutely, like even as a parent, though, um, you it's different types of parenting. There is no this is the one way type of parenting or whatever. And like you said, I, I believe the coaching can help bridge that gap. It also I don't think that parents nor child understand what. Each different party is going through. Like a lot of times the parents' job is just to make sure the bill's taken care of and get that child yeah. to practice. And they never even consider like the in-between communication in between that. They should be like, well, you should understand that I love you because I'm working for you every day. Or and children don't even understand it. All children don't come home to lights on and kids got Wi-Fi and you got a cell phone. You know what I'm saying? So right. like, I feel like that honestly, mentoring when... kind of help bridge that gap too
1: yeah and also especially with mentoring you're, you're normally not just mentoring one kid you're mentoring that kid and it's other peers so what you can do what's important and what is being done is when you think about this most of the time you only spend an hour to two hours with your kids a day especially during the school year because most of the time eight hours they're in school after school extracurricular activities By the time they get home, it's your shower, you eat. They don't even want to talk about their day because of what's been going on. So you're only getting an hour to two hours, you know, with your kid a day. Most people don't think about it that way. And who do they spend most of their time with? Their peers. So you have to begin to try to reach their peers to have an influence on them as well. And that's what mentoring does. So when you get a group of kids together, if you can reach one of those kids and a group of kids, then now it becomes a contagious effect to when you can reach everybody else. So it's it's easier for a mentor because you're, you're, you you're have the influences that 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 kind of contributes to their everyday life um, around them at the same time you're trying to teach them and you're trying to help them rather than yes. parenting when they're, they come home and they're exhausted and they're really not trying to hear what you're trying to say anyway
0: absolutely and, and you feel like you got to walk on thin ice another thing is too like when i've come into like a group of children you really don't have to kids are going to be kids that one kid that you're trying to reach you're gonna reach them and they're gonna let you know you reached them you know what i'm saying oh, so like a lot of times i don't do it for like the masses i do it for that one kid like man you really helped me with this or like you can tell you helped them with that um if somebody out there drowning, they just happy somebody came and saved them.
1: <laughs> feel Absolutely. Me? So like,
0: it, and it, they're it, doing it, it by the masses. And, and like you said, it could be the group, but if I can reach that one person, I don't really care how nobody else feel about me. I know a couple kids is like, you know what? He really helped me in this time. And they stick with it. And, and these kids grow older. And you know what I'm saying? You see them after dating out of school. And it, it means more to me, I feel like, if anything.
1: It is. And the hardest part is convincing parents that they're still kids. You know, yeah. you can reach a kid, you can help a kid, they can grow. But at the end of the day, they're still going to make mistakes. Oh, so, yeah. you know, you can't you can't expect your kid to be perfect because you're not perfect. So, of course, so if you, if a kid get in trouble, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Just, just sit there and have a conversation with them. Don't feel like something's not working just because it hasn't. Because they're not perfect. It's going to be a a, a process that you're just going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. That they're going to continue to make mistakes. My mom still get on me. I'm 31 years old. Because it's all a process.
0: Well, I feel like, too, when we're jumping on kids for unrealistic expectations as parents. See, and that's the thing. As parents, we got to understand some stuff we do is messed up. A lot of times I feel like that they may look at another child and be like, oh, well, this child is doing this. Yeah, so you should absolutely. be doing this. Or, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, but no, like, you got to let... I mean, because if you're being transparent, there was some stuff you was doing and another child was doing when you was younger. Um, And I just want... Of course, I want the best version of my kids. Like, at the same yeah. token. But I don't want them to, like, settle. Um, I want better versions. But I know they kids, too. And I try yeah. to be, like, as transparent. I try to still be hard. It's tough. Like I said, there is no... Class you can go to on how to be the best parent. Uh, masters that you can agree on how to be a best parent. You got different children who think different, and you know what I'm saying. I, I told my son I'm trying to be the best dad I could be. I ain't had no dad, <laughs> right?
1: So exactly. I, exactly. I'm trying to
0: figure this out. You know what I'm saying. My my ways may not be the best ways. You know what I'm saying. Um, I know which ways not to do. I'm not gonna cuss them out and dog them and tell them they not this and they not that. I'm not gonna move like that. But I'm. I may snatch their phone. I may snatch him one day. I'm not saying that's, that's the correct thing, but that's it is what it is. You know, I'm trying to figure
1: this out, too. Exactly. It's a process for, for everybody. Uh,
0: so um, I, I threw a whole lot of titles out there about you being a great husband, father, community servant, brother, son. Um, Is that you're most proud of or maybe a title that I didn't mention?
1: Uh, it's just the individual title of, of being the best version of myself, because um, without being the best me, without putting myself first, myself the priority, I'm no good in any of those other titles. I'm no good in any of those other responsibilities. So if I don't take care of me and put myself first and be the best version of myself, then what do I have to give to my daughter? What do I have to give to my wife? What do I have to give to the kids in my community? So, the the greatest title for myself is is me. It, it's putting myself first. You know, I, I I am the 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 first person that first thing to come to mind when 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 you talk about who needs to be taken care of because I'm I'm nothing and I'm no good to anybody else if I don't put me first.
0: I feel you. I um heard Will Smith maybe like four years ago, to the effect of when he first met his current wife that he's married to. He was like, you know what? I don't want to be responsible for your happiness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like he told her, like, you responsible for your happiness. Uh, and I, I was like, dang, that's messed up. But now he was like, I'm not going to hold you accountable for my happiness. I got to make myself happy in a way. And I was like, ooh, that's, a deep, that's a deep to. way of thinking about it. Um, What's some practical ways for the everyday individual, or even myself, because that's something I struggle with. What are some practical ways you feel like of making sure that you put yourself first or what what does that look like?
1: You you have to figure out, number one, you have to figure out what makes you happy, um, because what makes you happy could could make other people happy. Right. Um, you have to figure out what triggers you, because if you don't understand what triggers you, you don't understand what to stay away from that that, that hurts that happiness. So it's about understanding yourself, understanding the environment you need to be in, understand how the routines of your day need to go for you to be the best version of yourself. You know, there, there are certain things that I do. Um, number one, I get up at uh, four 30 and I work out. Some people say, why do you get up so early and work out before work? Because I know when I come home, I'm not going to want to work out and I know my wife is going to want to spend time with me. So if, if I come home and I work out and I, and I'm dead tired when I, after I work out, when I get home, then that's time away from my wife. That's time away from my daughter. So I have to do it early enough to to please them as well, but still understand that it's helping me physically and mentally to build myself. So it's just understanding yourself. The best thing that you can study is you understand what's good for you and then what's good for you will help be what's good for other people. Because you're in a state of happiness. And when you're in a state of happiness, you're able to serve better. You're able to live better. You're able to think better. And you're able to provide better for the people that surround you.
0: I feel you. And um, futuristically, man, I definitely want to get you and Sis on for the simple fact of, like, of course, I never encourage somebody to be what somebody else is. But um, you guys are very admirable. And I think we need more relationships like that for youth to see and for for youth to to be able to conversate with,
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: to keep it real, like, you don't have a lot of great examples. That's just being honest when it comes to, like, relationships. So, now we get kids that's like, first of all, they just so anxious to be in a relationship. And, like, you know what I'm saying? They jump (laughs) in it with no expectations, but they forget the realness. And the realness is you're going to hurt somebody's heart. Um, Absolutely. And that might be a friendship that could, set up for something else down the line that you destroyed because you couldn't honor friendship before. You see what I'm saying? And Absolutely. I feel like that's definitely something that has to be talked about um, for youth and with the podcast being for both young and old because older people need it too. Like, know what you want. You in a relationship, people looking at you, you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: it's yeah, not just about 100% true.
0: those two people that's together. So, um, And it's cliche, but I can tell you a lot of people don't.
1: They don't you they know really what I'm saying
0: don't. so um, and I think it's very like I said, I think it's very key, and that's my main thing is like not to be perfect, not try to put out a world best podcast, but like do something that may can change one person's life or put something in perspective for one person's life. and I feel like that conversation would definitely be dope.
1: That's the goal.
0: but um so this week, um, I wanted to build the theme around I have a dream. Um, we just celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday and um great young man from everything that we've learned in schools from him um it's admirable like to feel like to to be willing to die for something Mm -hmm. that alone to me is admirable and um would you happen to have a favorite quote by dr king
1: Oh uh, yeah, man, it, it, it's so. Many, I mean, it's hard but to pick
0: one. But... It, it really
1: is, but the one that always just comes back to mind, especially of, you know, you know, history may not repeat itself, but it dang sure rhymes. And and the things that Dr. King was talking about is still relevant today. And one of the things that I love that always come back to mind is our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. You know, uh... we always talk. We're talking about, you know, freedom of speech and speaking out when we think things is wrong or when we know things is, is is not fair. And Dr. King was one of those people who refused to shut up. He refused to he refused to just to just lay down because silence is an acceptance. Silence is is to say that we're okay with it. And by using his voice, um, because that's one of the most powerful things that you have is the freedom of speech to not just say what you want, but say what needs to be said um, is very important. And that's one of the things that Dr. King used. um, And he did not stay silent, which is why we still um, honor him today. And most of the time when people honor him, they honor him by his speeches because he didn't stay silent.
0: Yeah, I feel like the sucky part about it, which is true, um, is we only... It's the thing that's wrong with everything. Like we only celebrate Valentine's Day in February. when you' something you should probably celebrate every day when it's somebody you truly love. And for his effect with his birthday being in January and all these great things that he stands for, um and people post those great things, I feel like that people take time to recognize those great things. Some people may even like watch the speech or whatever, but like it should be stuff that we practice every day like
1: all those great things that we post. And I don't think people do that. Uh, it, it, I, I 100% agree. It, it is something that, that should be practiced every day. Um, but what it does is it brings awareness. Um, yeah. it, it brings awareness of what needs to be practiced every day. And, and it's a great reminder um, for, for the for people of this country of what we faced and and what one man was able to really do. Um in this country with faith, when faced with so much adversity.
0: Absolutely. So, um, I'm sure that schools teach children a whole lot about, um, Dr. King and with you just being so willing to go into depth with, um, so much stuff you do on your podcast, um, for the younger children and the older people just listening, would you happen to have any history that's like not common to, most
1: um yeah absolutely um there are some things that is common that's just not talked about and there's some things that's just not common that is also not talked about one of the things is it's just the myth that um that dr king was just so loved and that's just not true um dr king was considered the most hated person in america um and that's was that's that, from, it, white that, from, that from
0: white people and black people,
1: or that's from white people and black people. Because you, you gotta remember Dr. King was mostly speaking for the black people of the South. Um, Does a lot you? of people on the West and a lot of people that lived in the northern cities didn't necessarily agree with Dr. King's tactics. Um, but there was there were some churches in the South that did not agree with Dr. King's tactics as well. But the the key thing is, the concept that Dr. King was beloved is is a myth. In fact, there are people who speak out on Martin Luther King Day about miseducation and injustice and and inequality that have been crucified um, when they've done speeches. But when they've done the speeches, they haven't been speaking their own words. They've been speaking Dr. King's words. And the crowd of the people who listen, they hate their message, but they don't understand that what they're saying is not their own words. They're talking about Dr. King. And these Mm -hmm. are the same people who put their quotes up yesterday. These are the same people who claim that they love Dr. King, but they don't understand the speeches in its totality. They only take a few sentences and try to make Dr. King be this person that they love when really his ideologies and his concepts and principles and beliefs is something that's still hated today in America. Um, and it wasn't really until after his death that people that people really started to love Dr. King because what happened after Dr. King's death was there was a lot of riots in there went on and then it rose of uh, the Black Panther Party uh, movement to where it went from the nonviolence to more of this self-defense role. And America realized that they was better off with Dr. King than have people who were uh, that was talking about black power and and self-defense. Um, but another key thing to remember is that I Have a Dream speech happened in 1964. I believe it was. And the Civil Rights Act was 1964. Voting Rights Act was 1965. Dr. King was assassinated in 1968. A lot of people don't remember 1965 to 1968 when it came to Dr. King. You just hear about the things that happened before 1965, and then you hear about the assassination. What ended Mm -hmm. up happening was Dr. King kind of isolated himself from the civil rights movement. He began to talk more about human rights. He began to talk about poverty and he began to talk against the Vietnam War, which a lot of people hated him even more because you so have for understand- people that
0: that's not as educated as me. What when you say separated from civil rights and human rights, what was the difference between the two at the time?
1: Well, civil rights is something that you get in in a country it, it, it is so if you're not a, a citizen and then you become a citizen, you get those civil rights. Which you. if you if you think about this, what the civil rights movement was, they were fighting for the right to practice their vote. They already had the right to vote. Ever since they became a citizen at the Emancipation Proclamation, black people had the right to vote. The problem was in the South, they weren't allowed to practice that right to vote. They had the right. So that was a civil rights act. Human rights is you have the right to not be killed. You have the right to not be lynched. You have the right to live like a human being. That was a human right. So when you talk about human rights, that means other countries can get involved because we have to remember, America has always been at the forefront of democracy. So when you talk about America being at the forefront of democracy, you can't talk about being at the forefront went in your own backyard in your country, you're spraying people with water hoses for one to vote. So Absolutely. it made it made the rest of the world look at America differently because it was a human rights issue rather than a civil rights issue. So you have to understand that, you know Dr. King began to speak out about the war, which made a lot of people mad. He's began to speak out about poverty because he was questioning the money that the government was using for the war that could have been going to poor people. And he began to question um, like the uh, discrimination in housing, which we still see today in some of these communities. There's still communities that's all white. There's still communities that's all black. And that's one of the things that Dr. King was, was working on his last few years alive was trying to change those things, and that made him even more hated in America. I feel you. Um, I feel
0: like that the culture is still. I mean, even with the young kids, they can see it now, where mu- musicians not even giving their proper respect till they die. You know what I'm saying? And I feel mm-hmm. like Dr. King. Um, I, that's a similarity. You see what I'm saying? Like. As soon as they pass, that's when people want to give you the most, oh, yeah, he did this, he was great. Um, Nipsey Hustle. you know what I'm saying? Another person yeah. that, like, once they pass, then we want to honor them so much for great things they said, did, and done. And I definitely feel you, and I feel like younger people rock with you on that effect, too.
1: Absolutely. Because you, you also got to remember that a lot of people, after Dr. King's death, realized that his method was probably the easier solution for America. Because remember, the nonviolent approach was an approach that a lot of people liked because it was a peaceful approach. Once Dr. King died, when violence erupted, so a lot of people realized that Dr. King's approach was the one thing that was keeping things calm, cool, and collected. So that's why he got a lot more um, honor after his death is because of because of that reason. Um, but a, and a lot of people don't understand that, you know, Dr. King wasn't just murdered. His mother was murdered five years later in her church. But, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, he, she, she was murdered because you also have to understand... the the FBI in in Martin Luther King's case so Dr. King wasn't the only one assassinated Before a couple years before Dr. King Malcolm X was assassinated a couple years before that um, President JFK was assassinated and a lot of them were going upon the same route of of, um, speaking out about civil rights and human rights and with this happening, it created more of a hatred towards these people. They were actually called communists because they would start talking about the money that was coming in, the wealthy staying wealthy and how it was not coming down to the poor. They were speaking out against certain things and that's what get, and that's what got them killed. Um, so it is a correlation when you look at the FBI and their their racing of, of black leaders Um, Number one being Megger Evers, then being um, Malcolm X, then being Dr. King, and then years later being Fred Hampton. And and if you don't, if people don't understand the people I'm talking about, you can Google those people and you can look at those individual assassinations uh, and the FBI's involvement. But, you know, Dr. King, uh, you know, a lot of people just thought he was just a preacher and an activist. Dr. King was an intelligent man. Let's just put that, you know, he was in college at age 15. You know, he, he graduated with his, um, his, uh, doctor's de- his doctorate degree uh, the same time Jackie Robinson graduated um, college as well. But he, he was an extremely intelligent man. And, you know, I see people talk about yesterday how Dr. King wasn't political. He was absolutely political he was one of the most intelligent political people. He just wasn't a politician. Yeah. It, it's a difference between being political and not being a politician. But yeah, that's one of the things that, that Dr. King, um, a lot of people don't know about Dr. King was his, his not going to say his stance changed, but he evolved and, in his fight and his activism from civil rights to money, war, and and housing discrimination in America. Um, after that, it wasn't like the Civil Rights Act passed and, and Dr. King went away. No, he began to talk about other things that that was actually created him even more hatred. Because you got to remember, the Civil Rights Act and giving black people the right to practice their vote cost America nothing. Didn't cost them any money. It was just the signing of the bill and say, y'all leave them alone whenever they come to vote. Yeah. But the Vietnam War, the housing um, desegregation and and um, talking about giving money to end poverty will cost America cost some bread. <laughs> a lot of money, a lot of money. Absolutely.
0: And like you said, it's something that need to be done now, too to a certain extent, that's like wrapping my mind around that is where I stop till I feel like that I'm in a more powerful powerful to do so. Like, just thinking about that in general and seeing different people um, struggle in certain situations and knowing that, like, it's all like, I I get the story behind the story if that makes sense. Mm
1: -hmm. Like, a
0: lot of people ain't where they at because they want to be there. Like, some people born into it um and it's some people who did make a decision but just because you made one bad decision that don't mean that you deserve to stay in that lifestyle forever you have people who can bounce back time finances to do so or they were born into a family where they're privileged to do so so like just wrapping my mind around it especially being in law enforcement now is something that i'm very woke of but it's like something where it's like until I really got the power to change, I just do my small part until I can do a bigger
1: part. Absolutely. And and that's ultimately what Dr. King did. Because you got to remember, you know, Dr. King started, you know, small. You know, he was just a, a, a regular pastor's son pre- preaching in a church. And then the NAACP wanted to use a younger face with a powerful voice. And that's how Dr. King got started. But what, it was something key that that they did to where he's seen how it could affect the future, which was the Montgomery bus boycott. That's oh, he started messing most, with
0: the money <laughs> and mess with the money. And once you mess the with money, the money, that's, that's
1: when things change. Absolutely.
0: And to let you know that you got power to mess with the money.
1: Absolutely. Um, so because a lot that, of people didn't even probably things, think that cost about that. A lot of money. Yeah,
0: they like, oh man, you gonna mess with the money? Yeah, good if it's anything else, but especially people that's just on their money cuz you got some people that ain't racist. If you got money, they like you.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. They
0: they necessarily may not see the color of your skin, but they definitely see the zeros in your bank account. So, some people um when that's when that's affected you talking
1: their language. Absolutely. They they'll, they'll deal with you if if, yeah. if 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 there's money. If there's money involved. If you got something to bring to the table. We we call America, you know, the 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 American dream that's what we call it. But the American dream has to deal with money. If you got money to bring to the table in America, people will deal with you. It it is that's the simple as could be. You know the, the the greatest color in America is green. You know what I mean? So if if you have that and you have a way to affect that, people will work with you. And that's Absolutely. one thing that he, that's one thing Dr. King talked about. And it's not something that a lot of people talk about when he talked about integration. From 1965 to 1968, he began to talk about how he thought integration would, would work, but he said integration would not work if there's not some type of form of money change to get rid of the poverty in, in, in the African-American neighborhoods to where they have a chance to be integrated and still and be able to change the social status and the caste system in America. Because if you remember, a lot of people don't understand this about what happened with integration. And I'm not speaking against integration, but this is just a truth that what, what happened. Blacks had their own businesses. Blacks had their own bus lines. Blacks had their own neighborhoods, they had their own they had their own money flowing, their own banks. They had all of these things. Once integration happened, they had to give all of that up. So once you give all of that up, You know, you're integrated, but you're at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to economics, which means you can live in this neighborhood, all black neighborhood, but you don't own any stores there. You don't own it. You don't own any financial gain there. You don't own anything there, which means you don't control anything that happens there. So when, what, he, what Dr. King talked about, he said, even with integration, we have to find a way to give African-Americans money so they can have opportunity to integrate and be at the level that white people are at here in this country. Because without that, they're just beggars in integration. So that's hmm. one of the things that he talked about when it came to the economic, to the economic um, control here in America. But a a lot of that's not quoted for Dr. King. It, because that's not something that a lot of people want to talk about. They just like to stick with the good Dr. King that, that did the 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 um nonviolent protest. They don't want to talk about when he was beginning to talk about the money structure that's still relevant today.
0: Absolutely. With the um you you brought it up with the um I had a dream speech. Um where do you feel like we're at right now? from that progress? Like, I feel like it was a lot of prophecy spoke in it of where, Mm -hmm. because it definitely, when he was speaking of things that he wanted to see, it's not as, it wasn't as clear as it was now. Like, if he was to say that speech now, you feel me? It's some stuff that like, then came to pass. So, what's the progress that you feel has been done since that speech?
1: Well, number one, the integration, you know, things he talked about, you know, our our kids go to school together. they're at the parks together. Shoot. We, we have a high level of, of, of biracial kids here in America. Um, and the forecast says in the future, shoot, they might even be the majority. Um, (laughs) I can see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we definitely have been successful with the integration part. Um, but where we're still lacking is of course, like I talked about with, with the economic structure, um, when it comes to corporate America, African-Americans are at the bottom of the list and and how much money that they make. They're at the bottom of the list and promotions. Um, when it comes to our school system, we're at the bottom of the list. And as far as um, standardized testing, because African-Americans don't do well on standardized testing because of the words culturally used. Um There's just a lot of things that we're still lacking behind on because of those those type of things that weren't fixed then because we're still sold on the word progress. Um, You know, I love Dr. King. I love Malcolm X. And I believe both of them eventually arrived at the same conclusion. But Malcolm X said something once before. He said, you know, his only problem with the civil rights movement was that it was going to take too long because a lot of people were sold on the word progress. And when you use the word progress, it's a notion that, hey, we're better than we used to be, which makes it okay to not make any drastic changes right now because we're just getting better as we go. My problem with that is, it's admitting that there's still problems out there that's not being addressed. You're just happy that we're not where we used to be. And I have a problem with that, that word progress. Um, so that I Have a Dream speech and the things that he foresaw, um, we, we made a lot of, of progress by using that word in a sense, but we still have a lot of work to do. We still Absolutely. have a lot of work to do.
0: Absolutely. For the younger and the older person, What do you feel are practical ways of making this play, making our making our everyday life a better place? Like, um, of course, you you have racism. I feel like you still see it, whether people try to sweep it under the rug or not. Um, Me personally, I'm definitely the individual that just try to be the change that I want to see, because I know (laughs) it's limited amount of things I can do. What do you feel like um, are practical things like I I personally also see the struggle of I came from a lot of the struggle. So I know what. Not so good education doing, and it wasn't necessarily that the schools just wasn't teaching me education, but it was at home, too, where, like, I didn't have the, the proper tools in the toolbox to use life just as much as I use school to get me where I'm at um or to maybe I don't need to go to college maybe I need to try this route um Mm -hmm. like I feel like finances is a huge thing um to get to the place that Dr. King was talking about finances is a huge thing education is a huge thing but that doesn't necessarily mean going to college um so between education and finances that's the two biggest things that I see that could be worked upon with the youth if you if you take care of your money you can do things that you want to you don't have money you're limited
1: to do what you want to do absolutely um i would say three things and these three things arrive out of dr king um the when you listen to the i have a dream speech today uh was it 60 years later something like that um it still gives you goosebumps Absolutely, And the reason why it gives you goosebumps, I believe, for me is it gives you hope. And that's one thing that the human mind always needs is hope, because without hope is complete, is complete chaos. And if you read the book by Dr. King called uh, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos, Our Community, it was which he wrote in that, in that time span of 1965 to 1968 where he talked about keeping the hope of of the future without going into chaos, without rioting, without doing all of these things. You have to have hope. And we have to believe that in the future, that dream will be at its conclusion to where it's reality. The second thing... After you have hope, you know, you said, you know, be the change that you want to see. And that's something that we all strive to do. But it's something that Dr. King and the civil rights movement did that you may not find nowhere else in the history of mankind. Is they didn't they didn't be the change that they wanted to see. They were willing to sacrifice for the change that they didn't think that they would see. And there's not many people that can say that they would do that. You know, you could, if you find 20 people, right, and you say, hey, can every last one of y'all give me $10 and this $10 is going to be put into the bank and 100 years from now it's going to be given to a person in need. Most people are like, nah, man, you know what? I ain't even got it. You know, that $10, my gas money, I really ain't got it. Because they're not thinking about 100 years from now, right? Yeah. But the Civil Rights Movement was, and if you listen to that I Have a Dream speech, Dr. King never referred to himself. He said, he said the only thing he referred to himself was the I Have a Dream part. But he said that I have a dream that his daughters would not be judged by the, by the color of their skin, which means I'm, I'm not concerned about me. I'm concerned about my kids, their kids, their kids, and on. And everybody in the civil rights movement did. They were willing to put their life on the line for something that they may not see. And then you're not going to convince many people to do that today because we have our own selfish attitudes. And in Dr. King's last speech, he says, I may not get, I may not get there with you. I may not get there with you. And that just keeps playing over and over in my mind. I may not get there with you which means he was fully okay with not seeing the changes in his lifetime. And that's what we all have to do. We have to be willing to put ourselves on the line to do whatever's necessary to move the needle further along for something that we may not ever physically see. Because our kids may see it, their kids may see it. And that's, that's the ultimate goal is to keep that hope alive, not just for us, Keep that hope alive for something that's going to outlast you. And the thirdly is education. I always believe that education is the equalizer. And I don't mean that education is just going to school, getting your education. This ain't just for, you know, your young listeners. For any adult that's listening, it is your responsibility to educate yourself. Education is not just when you go to school with a textbook. Education is not just when you watch a Hollywood movie. Education is you actually doing your due diligence to find out things that you never knew about and to expand on that education by putting facts on the table and coming to your own conclusion. There, there are people who need to educate themselves so they can educate their children the right way. So what? What? we know that the Bedford county school board is not going to talk more about black history we know they're not going to talk they're, they're trying to take out certain things Heck, even texas is trying to take out dr king from their textbooks totally but if the parents educate themselves enough you don't need them you can educate your children right there in your own household because i i i I can tell you for one thing, I know who's going to know about black history. I know who's <laughs> going to know the truth. And that's my daughter, because she has access to me and she's and I'm going to continue to educate myself so I can educate her. That's what true education is. And that's one way that we're going to be able to move the needle is by education, because if you do not know history, you will not analyze the present day or what's going on. And you will not be able to build towards the future because you will not recognize those mistakes that was made in the past to avoid them right now. And it's going to stop you from building your future. So we have to know history and we have to know true history, not just the good. We have to know the ugly and the bad to keep from making those same mistakes again.
0: Absolutely. Do you see where, do you see it getting worse? Like with, Hope aside, like, w- w- like you saying, if we have the hopes of mixed biracial kids being overpopulated, like being the main population one day, do we feel like that that's going to make it worse? That's going to make it better. Uh, will that even forget what has happened? You see what I'm saying? Because, like, if you they if everybody biracial or like a great part of it, you see what I'm saying?
1: The the problem is we have so much division because the division isn't just race. You oh, know, no. the division, the division, race is one of them. Politics is another one of them. And then uh wealth is another one. So you have all of these different Republicans versus Democrats, black versus white. Um, shoot you, of course you have black versus. I'm blacker. You know, yeah. we even have that problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it, 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 Shoot, some people, if you celebrated Dr. King yesterday, they was calling you a coon. I mean, we, we, these <laughs> are the problems that we have. You know what I'm saying? Just because we are so divided, um, because everybody has their own opinion and everybody has their own um, perspective on things. So the the key thing when it comes to education is understanding. We have to become more understanding. Whether you talk about politics, whether you talk about race, whether you talk about anything in life, we're not going to agree on things based off experience, based off philosophy, based off perspective. We're not going to always agree on anything, but if we can learn to respect each other's disagreements, then that's when we can move forward. We understand that a lot of people don't agree with talking about certain things in history. Black people don't agree about talking about certain things in history either. But we have to come to a mutual agreement to it's all about understanding. So once we once we begin to understand, once we begin to listen, listen to to understand and not listen to respond and we yeah. and that's again that's another thing I've just learned about dr King dr. King even though he was a Christian nonviolent approach Dr King sat down he listened to anybody
0: yeah.
1: he would and he was and they would ask Dr King why are you listening to everybody he said listen I know what I want to do but somebody else may know how to do it better and yeah. easier than the way I want to do it and, you know, Malcolm X ridiculed um, Martin for years. But when Malcolm wanted to meet Martin, Martin was with talking to Malcolm. Yeah. When Elijah Muhammad wanted to talk to Dr. King, he was willing to talk to Elijah Muhammad. You know, when Stokely Carmichael was coming out with the, the, the Black Power stuff and Dr. King really didn't agree with it, he was still willing to, to work with Stokely Carmichael. Dr. King was willing to work with anybody that was willing to do something for the cause. But one thing that he was not going to one thing that he was not going to do, he was not going to move away from his nonviolent approach. Because he understood that this way to do things in this country. And that's why I he he deserves. Admiration and honor because he had empathy for others and he would understand others. He may not agree with Malcolm. He may not agree with Elijah Muhammad. He may not agree with Stokely Carmichael, but he always said, I understand where they're coming from, but I want to do it this way. Okay. And, and I. Uh... You can go ahead. Right, I'm, I'm done. Go ahead.
0: I was just saying, like, me personally, knowing people from other walks of faith and stuff like that, um, it makes you so real, well-rounded. Like, Absolutely. I can get in the room, and I don't have to feel like I'm the biggest guy or the toughest guy. Like, I just respect other people. And, like, just having that around anybody, it humbles you. Like, I done seen people, like, go crazy out of a cop car, and I'm just talking to them like he human. Like, I really care. I really do care. Like, Absolutely. obviously, it's something that you're going through right now. It's not the best day for you. You had a bad interaction with the guy that's before you that brought you here. I'm trying to figure out. I know what the solu- I know what the end result is going to be. The end result is I have to get you out of this car. We're going to walk you in this jail. But I still want to talk to you about it, let you know what I'm about to do, and let you know I still care about you as an individual.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and
0: I say that as like, you know, it was a tough time, bro. You remember, too, being my friend. I moved, I lived in Roanoke, man. And I was like, it was a down part of my life for the most part, but it was a humbling part because like, I knew I had, it was just something greater in me. Like I, I had to do better. And um, man, it was a lot of people I couldn't mess with because when stuff real in your life, you ain't got time for everybody to just like so happy-go-lucky fake. They not transparent, like, you know what I'm saying? And I yeah. um, came across a dude and I still keep in touch with him. And um, he a Muslim. And like with me growing up, straight faith based that was the thing like you know what i'm saying you don't right. be talking to nobody outside of other religions or whatever and like i mean he wisdom just talking and i would talk to him and, and we like we both shooting wisdom but from two different angles mm-hmm. but like to this day like it was times when we agreed to disagree but we both still cool like Absolutely. this my god like if he needs something he got it it was a time where like i was at my lowest of low where like my pride wouldn't even let me ask for something but like he cared to know about me from an angle where like I didn't have to ask he could tell that I needed that he was just like there and like this is somebody from my opposite faith of who I kind of was told growing up that away from and it's actually Absolutely. like I seen God in him if that and, makes and, sense and, and people exactly. don't understand that like my mom being a crackhead like I've seen God in her ways of moving yeah, I seen exactly. God in her ways of prayer and it's like Those things, when it's opposite from what you believe or what you can understand, when you care to try to see it and know it, when you see it, it's powerful, man.
1: That's what made Dr. King so great. He saw that in people that he shouldn't have seen it in. You know, he 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 was the that's why what he did is so monumental, because what he did was something that most people say that they wouldn't do. So most people think that the nonviolent approach was weak, but it was the strongest thing that anybody could ever do, because it's easy when you don't like somebody that don't like you, that 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 want to do harm to you. It's easy to want to do them the same. And Dr. King said, that's not what we're looking to do. And that is that takes a lot of strength, not for you just to do it, but to convince half the world to do the same thing. That's
0: amazing. When they feel like the opposite is in the best interest. Exactly. Uh, as as homeboy would tell me, there's no peace without war. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so 2022, man. Anything particular that you got coming up? Whether it's podcasting, whether it's motivation.
1: Um. You know, we're going to continue on our podcast to to do what we do. We're going to continue to talk about you know uh black history we're going to continue to talk about our perspective um you know so for the people you could definitely tune into that um but you know we're, we're going to sit down and we're going to have conversations with different people um there's some teachers who uh do black history there are some um important activists that I want to sit down and talk with um and it, there's also other people I want to talk with I, I Again, that's why I said understanding perspective is, is vital. So there, I want to talk to people that I may not agree with, but just finding that, that respect of, of what we disagree on and, and continue to, to build um, without any malice or, or, or hurt or pain. Um, because a lot of people, when they hear Black history, they automatically get offended because of the history of black history. So what what people have to understand is we begin to talk about black history because you cannot talk about history. You cannot talk about the building of America. You cannot talk about the greatness of of this country without talking about black history Um, and and the African-Americans who contributed to this country and still are contributing to it today because we still have so many people that are alive. You know what I mean? You know, Ruby Bridges is still alive. Claudette Covert is still alive. A lot of these people, you know, we just lost John Lewis uh, a couple years ago who was vital in the civil rights movement. Um, just keeping these hopes and traditions alive by having these conversations um, is something that we're looking to do moving forward. Um, but again, just education. You know, that's that's my motto for this year is continue to educate myself, continue to read books, continue to dive in and, and, and get my perspective on on things and, and moving forward from there.
0: I feel you, bro. Well, um, I'm glad to have you on. Like I said, I definitely want to do something with um, you and your wife soon. But I, I definitely plan on having you on as much as I can, too. For number one, like the conversation is just great. Just being around you in general. Um, ever since I've known you, it's something that's like when I'm around you and we're talking, where there's short conversation, long conversation, like everything great on the inside of me just gets to moving. So I love just being in your presence. I love having your company, man. Uh, I appreciate you as, as a friend iron, and a brother, man.
1: Absolutely. Iron sharp as iron, brother. So
0: um, I appreciate you having me on, man. And um, i catch you next time. Appreciate you, bro. I
1: appreciate you, bro. All
0: right, go. Thank you for tuning in to Dear Young People Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Until next week, we out.